We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my friends. I'm so happy that you're spending some time with me here today on Journey to Center. I'm truly honored. Yes, relationships can be confusing and challenging, and I think they are the richest opportunity we have to know and understand ourselves, to heal and to grow. I often say the human experience is not for the faint of heart or the weak, and anyone that says yes to this adventure, and that includes you, deserves immense respect and compassion. Life can hurt, and it can take the vital qualities of openness, personal responsibility, and courage to look unflinchingly in the mirror so that we might make the essential changes to heal, evolve, and become the very best human beings we can be. Here's a wonderful quote from author and teacher Anne Hillman. The spiritual journey is a creative journey. It's about birth. It calls us past the boundaries of convention. It tests our willingness to see life in a new way and our courage to express it. When I got very serious about wanting to do relationships differently, I set the intention to dig deep, find my courage, and then manifest the right teacher for me. I'm sure you've heard the saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And so it was. I witnessed this wise and wonderful man consistently walking his talk and masterfully navigating the sometimes confusing terrain of conscious marriage and parenting. He was the living example of what I wanted to embody in my own way. And so we began our work together. Gently and patiently, he guided me through confusion and hurt and provided comfort and support. He was steady, intuitive, honest, authentic, consistent, and kind. And though I set my intentions, I got so much more than I bargained for. Not only did he help me with my relationships and my career, he also ended up helping me with the content and exercises in my book, Manifesting Love from the Inside Out. He is my go-to guy when I need clarity and support. And today I'm so happy to be sharing this incredible teacher, healer, counselor, and coach with you. We are very fortunate to be spending some very special time with Gavin Fry. Gavin is a licensed marriage and family therapist, has a private practice in Southern California, and has offered heart-centered counseling, coaching, and workshops for over 30 years. He has also served on the faculty of University of Santa Monica for 16 years, where he co-facilitated co-facilitated transformational master's degree programs in soul-centered education and spiritual psychology. Gavin specializes in supporting individuals and couples in career and life transition with an emphasis on spirituality and creativity. His intention is to gently and joyfully assist others who have gone to sleep and now desire to awaken to their own light and embrace a more fulfilling and empowered life. Gavin Fry, I'm so excited to be hanging out with you here today on Journey to Center. Thank you, Tammy, for having me. Always a pleasure to spend time with you. Yes, it's going to be really fun. I have uh, had some really quality time with you in the past. And, and like I mentioned, you are one of the, the true teachers in my life that supported me in not just understanding, but implementing tools that make 
life more, mm, I don't know, um, more uh, fun, more joyful, but also more clear and comprehensive. And that's not an easy trick. (laughs) Well, I hear you, and I'm sure you know this, but the only way that I have been able to assist you in whatever ways that you have gained from our work is you've approached our work always with sincerity, a willingness to be a student, a willingness to be vulnerable, and a lot of steady courage. And that's true. I think sometimes life has to crack us open and get us to the place of admitting, you know what, I don't know. Because if we think we know, we're not open to learn. Yeah. One of my favorite images that I grew up with when I was in kindergarten, I remember we would come in and then one day the teacher had one of those incubators. You know what, the chicks and the eggs and the kids were all excited about the eggs and when would the chicks come out and when would they crack? Uh-huh. And I always loved that. And I, I connected with a doctor a number of years ago, and the doctor said to me, do you know why and when those chicks start cracking to get out of the egg? And I go, no. They said, well, it's, they, they actually at a certain point while they're in the egg, a noxious gas starts getting emitted from inside the egg. They have to get out in order to survive. So pain often can be, not always, but it can be a very powerful awakener and a part of major turns in our lives. Mm, that is true, because if you're, if you're comfortable, why would you do things any differently? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we love comfort as humans. I do. I, I uh, you know... <laughs> I heard someone say once, David White, a poet that I really love, he said, "There's in, in life there's beginnings, middles, and endings. Beginnings are frightening. They're not easy. Middles are comfortable, and then endings are not easy. So we try to extend the middles as long as we can. <laughs> but then That's we true. start having suffering, and then we keep getting encouraged into our next season of our lives. Yeah, it doesn't seem our greatest growth occurs during comfort. No, 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 not often. Mm. So I have a question for you. Mm. What is it we're growing towards? Why, why, why is it set up this way? <laughs> what are we growing towards? What are we supposed to be learning? What are we awakening to? Well, for me, I call my work soul-centered And when I grew up, I had no religion as a part of my growing up. There was no recognition of spirituality. I I didn't have any of that. I grew up very simply. And uh, and my beginning years were very difficult. My father, my brother was, uh, older brother was a, he was a gang member and a prisoner for many, many years. um, And a murderer. My sister was a heroin addict. Uh, I was a younger brother, and I grew up in that, but it propelled me into wanting more. Mm-hmm. And um, out of all of that, I began to awaken to a place in me that felt something I call the soul. It was some, a place inside that was whole, a place inside that was at peace, a place inside that had knowing. And I've come to equate it to the very depth of me, underneath it all. And we're multidimensional, but underneath it all, there is a place in us that is beautiful and whole 
beautiful. And I think we're here and we're invited to discover that place, experience it directly, not ideologically, directly, and to learn to live from that place and infuse that presence in all the areas of our lives. I, I like what you're saying a lot, and I'm, I'm having these new uh, revelations and ways of thinking about this. It's, it's awakening to um, spirit and, and opening to that opportunity of co-creating with that energy that has, mm-hmm. that has created us. Yes, yes. It's a partnership with something mm-hmm. larger Again, I say that not as a religious orientation, not as an ideology or a mental mm-hmm. approach, but as a direct experience. One way people have referred to it is a, a mystical path. It's, words can't even describe it. But most people, when they come into my office, even if they say they've never had a religious experience or spirituality, if I ask them, they've had powerful moments in their lives when they've been awake it could be at the birth of their son or in nature or um, at the loss of a, a loved one. Something like a, a, an ember inside starts to get a, a light to it. And uh, each person has that happen in a unique way to them in their lives. And I think most people want more and more of that. And mm-hmm. I think part of the challenge in living this life is that It's not just about being high or centered all the time. It requires us to embrace our humanity and our pain as well if we're going to be living a soulful life. It takes a lot of courage. And it continues to take courage. It's not like you just arrive in that place and it's all just rainbows and unicorns. No, no, not at all. In fact, one of the things I appreciate about working with people is I... My orientation is I share very transparently, not only am I continuing my work, but I tell people what I'm working with right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't give them the impression that this is about being all together, because it's not. It's, It's about a journey all the way to the end that will include vulnerability and uh, healing, as well as awakening to our gifts and our deeper nature. Yeah, I like something you said yesterday that just resonated so deeply for me. Uh, It was something along the lines, and you can correct me because I may have written this down wrong. It seems each of us has a curriculum uniquely designed to bring us to our knees. Mm. And I guess that's an important place to be is on our knees. I think that's where we we connect. So, yeah, tell me more about your thoughts about... Well, being a student... Being a student of life and being receptive, I had my uh, younger son, who's now 15, he asked me, because I've been doing this work for 30 years, and he, he hears me doing it, and he, he says, what do you do in that room with people when you're talking to them on the phone around the country or you're, you're with them? And I said, I, that's a good question. How would I describe it? And I came back to him later, and I said, you know, one way I describe it is I help people deal with reality. And I said, it's not easy to do. It's not easy to do, to deal with reality. People come into my office and they often say, I'm having this experience. I don't like it. I want to get rid of it. Mm. And I say, well, you probably don't want to work with me because I'm going to suggest that you go more deeply into what's here because it's a gift. And even if it's painful, 
It's been brought to you for a reason. It's part of your curriculum. And if you can partner with it and be in relationship with it, it will reveal its wisdom to you. That's so true, you know, and, and I guess what is it? Uh, the avoidance of pain is what causes our neurosis. So going into the pain is, is really where the, the, the rich opportunity for evolving comes and, and getting to that place of, of acceptance and peace. And, and I think it was Buddha that says life is suffering. You know, there is no way of avoiding that. Well, and, and uh, you know, what's amazing to me, Tammy, thinking about what you're saying is, I know growing up, and I don't quite know how this evolved, but it's certainly true, our educational system did not spend one moment, typically, on teaching us about compassion, about mm-hmm. how to be with ourselves and our humanness and our emotions. And people really don't know how to do that. It's even something they're not even used to considering. Like, wow, if I've just lost a loved one and I'm grieving, how do I be with the grieving? Um, And it's actually very easy to do once you can show someone an orientation of how to be with the place inside that grieves and allow those thoughts and feelings to just move through like a weather system or a storm front mm-hmm. so that it can move through and deepen us. That is so true. And, you know, I just reflect on my own experience where I, I did experience a lot of grief as a child, as being a very sensitive child and just, you know, life, the nature of life being what it is, losing animals, losing friends, having to move. My father was in the Air Force. And I, I had a lot of grief that I was not um, encouraged or even allowed to express. So by the time I got to adulthood, I had this unconscious, like, I think, toxic bag of suppressed grief that I wasn't aware of. Right, but, right, you know, just right. was in my, I guess, energy field. And I think it was in, in school. It could have been when you were sitting there that um, mm. somebody on the stage said to me, uh, it seems like you have a lot of unexpressed grief. And I started crying. And I'm like, but I don't know what it is or why. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that doesn't even really matter. But it is about getting to the place where you just allow whatever it is you're feeling to exist. And yeah. move through you. Is, is that a way that you would say that one could experience or express grief? Yes, it would be to allow whatever is present to come forward. And it may be mm-hmm. intense. It may be surprising. It may be rage. It may be cussing. It may be, mm-hmm. uh, it may be a wide range of things. That's why when I do coaching with clients, and to me a coaching relationship that the clients that are drawn to me are those that have gifts. They want to bring them courageously into the world. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, if that's what you would like to do, please know that in order to do that, when you begin doing that, those places inside that are not yet healed, that maybe are insecure or have grief, will also come up as you open yourself. And unless you're ready and capable of meeting your humanity and working through and growing on that healing dimension, you will stop in your tracks from moving forward with manifesting your gifts. Mm. And so a lot of the work that I do with clients is 
being in the present in a very organic process. And interestingly enough, the very next thing that needs to be seen, worked through, let go, shows up. I don't know how that happens, but I trust it with all my heart. It's the process, the healing process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does, it seems to take the really important qualities of courage and compassion, those things that we weren't necessarily taught about mm-hmm. <laughs> in school, yeah. to manifest one's gifts. Yeah, it does. It does. And I also think, I don't think we're designed to be doing this on our own. I think having sacred community around us, having a support system, and the leverage that that provides very, very essential. Um, one of my favorite tools, and I'm sure you've mentioned it on your program, maybe you've experienced it yourself, but Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way, mm-hmm. uh, it's a 12-week program of spirituality and creativity, and it's 12 weeks with morning pages, a tool that she brings forward. I, I use this book in my workshops. It's very, very powerful, very grounded. And that can be one tool that people can use that I'll just pass along to your listeners if they're not aware of it. Mm. And how important do you think creativity is in order for us to claim our gifts? I think we're designed to be co-creators. I think each of us, like snowflakes, have something extraordinarily unique to bring forward that's never been here before and won't be here again. So when we see people that we admire, someone like a Yo-Yo Ma who plays you know, the cello the way that he does, or we see a ballerina, whatever it is that we are moved by, like one of my people that just stirs me so deeply is Rafael Nadal, the tennis player. One of the keys I help people with when I'm coaching them is identify who you are deeply inspired by. But rather than just stopping there, Start identifying what are the qualities in consciousness that these people you admire embody. And that's actually what gets stirred inside of you. And then begin cultivating, how do I activate? What are the tools? What are the ways? How can I set an intention to really come more awake with those qualities? And um, each of us has a unique constellation of qualities inside. Some of us are rambunctious and wild, and others are deeply peaceful. And um, so I, uh, there's nothing sweeter than having someone do what they're destined to do that thrills them to no end, because it can be very natural and easy uh, once that is discovered and allowed. Yeah, that's not something most of us were, were taught again in, in school. It's like I was personally taught you have to work hard doing things you don't love to right. survive. Right, <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I think most of us were. It's like, uh, you know, life is hard. It's, it's hard to make money, you know. Money doesn't grow on trees and it's all that, that stuff that, right. that uh, doesn't really – persuade us in going the direction of our, our joy and our bliss, that there are great mm-hmm. rewards going that direction. <laughs> yeah, you bet. I know that Joseph Campbell, who's the one who um, uh, you 
know, coined the phrase, follow your bliss. He had a very unique experience very briefly. I read where he was uh, in his teens, in his late teens, it was the Depression time. And he didn't know what he wanted to do with his life, and uh, he couldn't get a job. So he was living on the East Coast. He ended up driving across the West Coast to the San Francisco area, and he roamed around for four years. You could call it aimlessly, but he made friends with Aldous Huxley. He made friends with John Steinbeck, you know, who wrote The Grapes of Wrath. And, mm-hmm. and he cultivated, he discovered, he stumbled upon his passion, which was teaching and, you know, the whole work with mythology that he has taught. So giving ourselves permission, actually, to stumble and discover and explore who am I? What are my unique gifts? Who's, who inspires me? What might I like to bring to the world? That's um, We almost have to give, give ourselves permission to be engaged in that process of allowing and discovering. And I think a big piece of that puzzle, Gavin, is the courage to relinquish control. Wouldn't you yeah, say? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Surrender the ego doesn't like doing about. that. You know, I always talk about the ego being like edging God out. And it's like where we think we have to be in control of our lives. And it can mm. be an interesting um, dance or even battle, if you will, to get to the place of <laughs> relinquishing the knowing, relinquishing the control. And again, I think it can often come back to the pain <laughs> as being the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I really hear you. To me, you're talking about surrender and and in a way, having a discovering an approach to life that is much more one of following than leading. I know a number of years ago, I when I launched my workshops, Sacred Passages and Soul-Centered Living, I was astonished. The experience when I had the courage to do it was that there was a presence larger than me that was helping me, mm-hmm. was actually leading the process of designing the workshops over an 11-month period, and it really was much more of a feminine allowing process. Now, I had to have the courage and the masculine willingness to take the action, but truly, there was something larger than me that brought in the creativity and the inspiration that was astonishing to watch how it could deliver the goods consistently. And... and I just love that so much. I have goosebumps. I've had that experience myself in teaching my courses because I would have the courage to begin it, but not really have any idea how it was unfold. How do I feel that way about this radio show? I do my preparation, but it could end up going a very different direction than I might anticipate. And I've learned to get out of the way. And sometimes I think it takes just just uh, doing it repeatedly to realize you can really trust it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I remember when I was starting my workshops and, and every time they'd be coming up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I wouldn't actually be confirmed or knowing what I would be doing during the weekend until about four days before, and I would be absolutely <laughs> panicked, convinced this would be the time I would fail in front of everybody, and then lo and behold, I would hold, and believe me, I wanted to run. If I wasn't committed and they hadn't already paid, I would bolt. 
I so hear everything you're saying. I've so yeah. been there. I can totally relate to this. Uh, it's making me uh, laugh. Excruciating. <laughs> Excruciatingly uh, terrifying. <laughs> Excruciatingly terrifying, indeed. Uh, God. Gosh. Yeah. Nobody said this evolving thing was going to be easy. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Damn that claiming our gifts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. It takes courage to to live a soul centered life. It, it it really does, and it does. Like like your radio program is one of the ways that people can go. Oh, I'm not doing this alone. There's a community. There's others. There's like minded people. Um, it, it's important to have a support system around one that that can help steady the choosing into a life. Of depth, and and I think you're absolutely right, Gavin. I don't think it's possible to get to the place of of being healed and co-creating alone. I think mm. we we have to have that support and and um, handholding and and feedback of of one that maybe is a few steps ahead of us and that has uh, gone through the terrain and and has the courage and and. An understanding. I, I couldn't be where I'm at without you and other teachers like you that have have supported and encouraged me. I don't think it's impossible well, you, to do it alone. Yeah, you bet. And 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 what's what's very powerful now is how the force of technology is contributing to that sacred community and that linkage. It's like the Arab Spring. Just watching how that just swept across the Middle East was so much through individual empowerment linkage with Facebook and Twitter and, mm-hmm. you know, and you're in Idaho right now. I'm in California. Steve, our producer, is in Michigan. And, yes. And whoever's listening is wherever they are. I mean, how astonishing is that? I know. I used to not like technology very much. Thank goodness for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. friends with it. Mm-hmm. I, I, you I bet. absolutely love it. So I'm really excited yeah. to be going into some different areas. We're going to go to break here in a minute. When we get back, we're going right. to talk about the three dimensions of life that Gavin um, talks about as far as the opportunities to to heal and expand and grow. And then one of the most important qualities we can invite into or open up to, to move forward in all three of these areas. So there's some really, really wonderful content that's coming up here as soon as we get back from break and i'm just so thrilled and honored and excited to be connecting with you gavin this is just such a treat for me so we're going to go to break we're going to be right back with gavin and fry and we're going to go deeper into this conversation about soul-centered living so hang on we'll be right back my sport is football but my passion is education my name is Namdi Asmoa, and this is how I live united. I see too many kids miss out on moving up. Kids who could go on to college but just need that extra little push. So every year, I take promising high school students on a college tour. We check out the dorms, the library, meet some professors, find out where the best late-night grub stops are. It shows them that there's a whole world beyond their own. But what's even better is that most of these kids decide college is for them. I'm Namdi Asmoa. I show kids that a higher education means a brighter future. So when it comes to Living United, I don't just wear the shirt. I live it. Join me. It takes all of us working together to make a difference. Find out how you can live United for Education. Give. Advocate. 
volunteer. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Oaks are toasties are so very great. Kids rejoice when Mozart's on their plate. They know they're quite nutritious. And so delicious. They'll lick the dishes. And soon you realize how impactful your kids' involvement in the arts can be. They'll get better grades, make more friends, and express their individuality. When they learn to play some music, act or paint or dance or write creatively. Hot from the toaster and filled with the essential creative thinking skills of an 18th century musical genius, Mozart Toasties are an important part of an arts-healthy childhood. Studies show that involvement in the arts helps kids increase test scores and promotes academic achievement. Feed your kids the arts. For 10 simple ways to learn how, visit americansforthearts.org. The arts. Ask for more. Brought to you by Americans for the Arts, the NAM Foundation, and the Ad Council. What would they say? I have held the same mirror for 13 years. I have been decorated with purple dinosaurs, baseball teams, and football helmets. I have witnessed 33 Thanksgiving dinners and one wedding proposal. I have tiny notches marking the growth of three children. I have caused a learning disability. I am the reason that a fifth grader simply can't sit still. I am responsible for a five-year-old's rage. Just because you can't see lead paint doesn't mean it's not on walls, doors, windows, and sills. Today, lead paint poisoning affects over one million children. If your home was built before 1978, your family could be at risk. Let's make all kids lead-free kids. Log on to leadfreekids.org or call 800-424-LED. I am the reason a child has trouble hearing. If your walls could talk, what would they say? Brought to you by the Coalition to End Childhood Lead Poisoning. EPA, HUD, and the Ad Council. You're listening to Empower Radio. Now, back to Journey to Center with Dr. Tammy Belashevsky. Hello, my friends. I'm so honored that you're spending some time with me here today on Empower Radio on Journey to Center. And I'm also really excited and honored to be sharing with you one of my very favorite teachers of consciousness and compassion, Gavin Fry. Hey, Gav. Hey, Tammy. So happy to have you here. It's just, just awesome. Just my heart feels so open and expansive connecting with you in this way. It just makes so much sense. Okay. Oh, me too. Me too. So we've been talking a little bit about living a soul-centered life. And now, can you kind of put that back into a nutshell for me as we go into this next uh, conversation we're going to have? Well, you bet. To me, when I grew up, again, I had no clue that there was a center inside of me, that my deepest nature was divine. Mm-hmm. I, I discovered a, a few years back there was a, a 13th century mystic in Germany called Meister Eckhart. Mm-hmm. And in his work, he describes the soul as a place inside of us. It's our deepest nature that nothing in this world, no matter how horrific, no matter how difficult or painful, there's a place that can never be marred and will always be complete and whole. Aww. And throughout my life, I've, I've opened more and more that that is true. There is that deeper, deepest nature that I refer to as the soul. But then there's the question of, all right, if that's at our center, that's great. What I've also, the way I've been called to frame it and describe it, Tammy, is that there are three different dimensions in life that the soul loves to be involved in and flow into. Mm -hmm. 
One of those is the awakening level. And that's our relationship with this divine, larger presence than ourselves. It's the energy or presence that underlies all religions, all spiritual experience. It's available to each of us in a very personal, visceral, real way. And part of our invitation in life is to cultivate a relationship with that. It could be through meditation, time in nature. There's many, many different ways, reading spiritual readings. So it's an awakening again to a presence that can flow through us. The second dimension that I see that we as humans are being invited with our soul to be engaged with is our own humanity, our own thoughts and feelings, our own healing dimension. Because even though we're divine, we're also remarkably human. We're all on a healing journey. We all have unconscious patterns, blind spots, things that we have a difficult time accepting that we pushed away. And so we're, we're asked to bring uh, our, our soul and our care to that. There's a quote that involves the healing dimension by Carl Jung that I like. It says, one does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making darkness conscious. And the third dimension that I see that we're engaged in, invited to be engaged in in this world, and our soul likes to be involved in, is the physical world, our body, and, and bringing forward our gifts and co-creating in this world. And that's an expression, and that's a manifestation area that we bring forward to serve ourselves and serve others. Mm-hmm. And when you speak of co-creating, what I'm getting is really just aligning and partnering with the energy that moves the planets around the sun and is responsible mm-hmm. for turning the grass green. Is, is that mm-hmm. accurate? Yeah, that's a beautiful way to say it. I, that's why I love, in a lot of my work with others, workshops individually, I, poetry I mean, over the years, those who have been really tuned in to what we're talking about and captured it in the written word, poems that just carry a powerful presence, um, you know, it's been discovered throughout history, and that's why I love history and, and touching into people who, who have known this and touched into it in their own, each in their own unique way. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. Again, may I share a poem with you? Yes, May yes, I share I a poem to, uh, with you yes, please. about the, the co-creating dimension. And um, it's central to my work. I discovered it years ago, and it's called Cargo by Greg Kimura. And it goes like this. You enter life a ship laden with meaning, purpose, and gifts, sent to be delivered to a hungry world. And as much as the world needs your cargo, you need to give it away. Everything depends on this. But the world forgets its needs, and you forget your mission, and the ancestral maps used to guide you have become faded scrawls. The cargo weighs you heavy the longer it is held, and spoilage becomes a risk. The ship sputters from port to port, and at each you ask, Is this the way? But the way cannot be found without knowing the cargo. And the cargo cannot be known without recognizing there is a way. And it is simply this. You have gifts. The world needs your gifts. You must deliver them. The world may not know it is starving, 
but the hungry know, and they will find you when you discover your cargo and start to give it away. Wow. So when I I hear that, I immediately just think of Stephen Jobs and Mm. how in all of his humanity and all of his strange personality characteristics dared to step forward and has contributed something and continues to in the hands that of, of our everyday life that serves us again and again because he delivered his cargo in a very, very big way. And again, it takes courage to, to discover our cargo. It takes courage to, to um, open up and, and share it with the world you know and my story i know you know paula majeski i'm sure sure of course she uh did a a session with me years ago and and mentioned something about this sparkly toenail polish that i had on and i i said i don't like planet earth very much it's not very sparkly here i don't like it and she goes well maybe Uh, that's your gift to share sparkles with the world and i felt like somebody had given me my job description wow and i started doing art that had a lot of um glitter and bling and people Uh, buy it people come to me for classes to learn how to do this uh, and it's like yeah it it, it's it's i'm from another dimension that has more unicorns and rainbows uh, (laughs) but the planet needs uh, that stuff i was like i have such relief now that i realize that's that's my cargo (laughs) it's not for everyone that is that is wonderful to hear the frequency of that sparkle and to know that in order to bring that out, you've combined it as well, though, with this warrior-like fortitude to do your healing, to write a book, to keep stepping forward. I mean, you've called me at times when you've been totally up against a wall. And, you know, you, amazingly enough, might have sparkles, but, you know, you are a powerful woman. And I think we all have so much more power than we may consciously know. That isn't qualities I thought I inherently had, but life revealed to me, well, I had to dig out that tool out of my toolbox in order to survive. Yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah. we all have that. And I thank you so much for sharing that. It's, uh, you continue to encourage me even today. It's such mm. a gift to know you. So, Gavin, you also shared with me an important quality that I'd like to really discuss and share with our listeners about what, what you consider to be the, the most important or one of the most important qualities that we can bring into all three of those areas, all three of those dimensions that you mentioned in Awakening, Healing, and Co-Creating. Do you remember, do you remember that quality? I do. And for me, the, the way I like to frame it is, Embracing our vulnerability, which is very, very different than how we're brought up. Typically, we view vulnerability as an indicator of our weakness. But in my experience, as people move more deeply inside themselves, vulnerability, when it's risked and when it is allowed, is not a weakness, but it becomes an ally and a real powerful opportunity to move forward. And in each of the three dimensions that I've described earlier, the awakening and the healing and the co-creating, vulnerability is almost like a leading edge. Like when I think of an arrow flying through the sky, that leading edge of the arrow. So for example, the vulnerability involved in the awakening dimension is actually to open 
in the most receptive way mm-hmm. to cultivate a, rela- a relationship with spirit. And so relative to spirit, we're all feminine. We're all feminine in nature inside, regardless of our gender. So opening to that, surrendering to that through a meditation practice, through spending time in nature and being available to that, doing yoga, whatever it is. And then in the healing dimension, the vulnerability is to allow ourselves to feel, to, to, to really touch into our humanity, our pain, our depth, to bring compassion uh, to those places inside that are lonely, that yearn for us to accept them and love them and keep them safe. And then in the co-creating area, the vulnerability, I mean, I no way I could have grown in the, the level that I have in, in, in reaching out when I've been terrified to ask for assistance to go get counseling support myself, to risk saying to somebody, will you help me, even though I'm terrified, they'll mock me and laugh at me. Mm-hmm. But the vulnerability is what they heard and my truth in the vulnerability and they responded to. It opens doors. It opens powerful doors. Um, and I didn't know any of this growing up. I've just grown over the years. But again, the soul is very courageous. The soul is willing to open to the new and birth the next level of our lives if we allow it. And this is something I so appreciate and admire and respect about you, Gavin, is that you are a very masculine man with a very open heart. And I hadn't really seen that exemplified in a way that I, I, I recognized or was conscious of until meeting you. Oh, well, thank you. I'm, I have to tell you, I'm really astonished at how people are receptive to it because for years and years I thought I had to hide it and pretend that I was, quote, strong. And, um, you know, my tenderness, uh, my sweetness, um, well, those are the parts I love to share the most. And uh, I like being very real with people. I like speaking truthfully with people. Risking with people, and you know, the last few months I've been going through a tremendous amount with my teenage sons. They're age seventeen and fifteen, and they've been really going through a challenging time. And I, as a parent, it's been very painful for me. It's been hard to discover. Uh, I'm so attached. I love them so much, but I also have to give them room find their own path and uh, um, it's scary sometimes the choices they make it's I get afraid for the future and I have to just keep return to that compassionate place inside of me and hold my own hand that's walking through tender territory as they go through pain and uh, so I've grown a lot I've grown a lot in my healing and in my awakening with these two young men it's it's just, yeah, I think being a parent can be one of the most challenging balancing acts of all. And one would think, Gavin, by looking at you, you're such a conscious man, you have such a conscious relationship that somehow this would be easier for you. <laughs> uh, well, I, 
I had the same thought. <laughs> and I, you know, I taught, I taught, you know, in the past soul-centered parenting classes, and, but I must go back now and, and say this to you because I just thought about it. In that class, in those classes, a central dimension of that class was the paradigm of understanding that in order to be a soul-centered parent, you have to realize that this isn't about the kids. It's realizing that your children and your family, in this case, my children, my family, are going to bring forward my curriculum as a parent, my next level of learning, my next level of healing. So it isn't just about raising them. I've got to raise me and everything that surfaces in me as part of our family while I raise them. And if I don't do that end, I will resort to being an authoritarian parent or a neglectful parent, but I won't be coming from my center. I, in a way, have to be brought to my knees by my kids and the reality that I'm helpless to a certain extent. I cannot control them. And um, much, I've learned, and Marshall Rosenberg's work of nonviolent communication has helped me tremendously as a parent be a collaborative parent where I respect them and I give them a safe space and I don't run my agendas on them. But boy, they sure test me because they do a lot of foolish things and they, they do things differently than I do. And um, they're not little me's. As much as parents think that that might be the case, it never is, is it? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. It's it's one of the most vulnerable areas of my life, the whole area of family, both when I grew up and the area of my family now. It's it's an area that's my crucible. It's the leading edge of my healing and my growth. It's so ironic, Gavin, because I came to you when I was at that fork in the road. Do I want children? Do I not want children? And I said to you, well, my career is not really taking off. And you said, children are not consolation prizes. <laughs> you better really sit with this. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, oh, man, I didn't forget. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? You're right. And I actually have to admit, I had a fear of having children because it was going to bring up anything and everything I didn't want to have to deal with. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. It takes a lot of courage to be a parent, and I have so much respect and admiration for those people that do have children. And and you really gave me the permission uh, to not do it. Well, and, I, I really uh, hear you. I think yeah. the, the, the most challenging edge of parenting is that, uh, even more than a marriage, is that there's nowhere to run. I mean, I can't not be a parent. Mm-hmm. I can't get out of that deal. I can't divorce my kids, and, and the reality is I love them so much, I'm even more willing to do my own healing work out of love for them than even, at times, love for myself. But I will share something I remember from our work together. Can I? Sure, please. I remember, even though you did not have children, and I know you've had a stepchild, but you, have, you had a relationship with these young chicks when you first started living in Idaho. Remember that? Yes. And there was a tragedy and a loss that happened in one of them that you felt down to the marrow of you. Yes. And you you needed to grieve. So even though you don't have formal children, 
I know how deeply you love, and I know how deeply you can get attached. And, you know, you, you can learn those lessons in similar ways without having physical children. Yes. Mm. It's true. Our, our curriculum's going to come up one way or another. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just, a, I was afraid of not being able to run away from it, but I found because I have committed to a soul-centered life that I can't run away from anything anyway. <laughs> no, no. I, I, with well, my father, who's the one that I'm, that I let into my art more deeply than, than anyone. When he died, uh, over 20 years ago, it was the first time I faced grief and the grief just ran so deep. I mean, for weeks, I, I just, I just, you know, wailed and, and, uh, but thankfully I really, some part of me recognized I need to let the grief have its way with me through to completion. Wow, yes. And, and I did. And, uh, I remember you grieving over the, the chick that died and you really allowed it to run real deep in your heart. And, uh, but I wouldn't give up loving like with my father because of the price of grief. I'm very willing to pay the price. I, I don't want to close my heart. No, I wouldn't want that either. You're one of the most feeling people I've ever met. And it is, I think, I mean, from my perspective, one of your greatest gifts. Mm-hmm. Because you have given me the permission, and I know you give the people you work with permission, to go to that deep, deep level of feeling, which can really um, allow you to open up to the place of bliss and ecstasy. Yeah, I one of the people that has taught me a lot is a man named Michael Mead, and he talks a lot about how right next to the wound is the gift. If we can allow ourselves to go and open to the wounds that are there by willingness to go in that territory, in the healing dimension, we touch into the threads of our gift and the energies of our gift and our calling, which can just revolutionize our lives. And isn't that really the point? Well, it's the best game in town, but um, <laughs> it's, it's not the easiest game in town, that's for sure. No, it's true. And again, we live on this interesting planet where we have uh, perceived free will and mm. choice. But I think, you know, we're going to keep coming back until we get it. You know, and I, I read somewhere, and I don't know where it was, and I'm sure it's not, you know, I doubt it's absolutely accurate, but something like it takes about 60,000 lifetimes to wake up. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no, I, I don't have, some people can, but I don't have an ability to open to that level of experience to verify it for myself. And uh, But I do know that I I feel very fortunate over the last 30-some years to have discovered a calling to work with people who are really looking for that greater life. They want to know their own calling. They look for the support to have the courage to bring it forward, to do their healing at the same time. Mm -hmm. And they honestly want to serve other people. They don't know if they'll be able to get there, but that is their calling. And that's typically when they might reach out my way for the support that a partnership can afford in that turn. Mm. 
And that was so true for me. I know when I was really struggling about uh, wanting to commit to this human adventure, I felt like on some level I had a foot in and a foot out. Yeah. And when I really chose to commit was when the um, possibility or consideration that I might be able to be of service one day right, right. dropped into my awareness. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. <laughs> And look at that. I mean, I remember, I mean, before you had books, before you did this program, and, uh, you know, you dared to follow that voice inside that said, please, please, Tammy, please, can we please? And you have stepped up, and you keep stepping up. Yeah, and again, it doesn't mean it's not going to be scary. It doesn't mean that it doesn't take courage, and it doesn't mean you're not going to hurt. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, I I know. I know you know, and that's why I just love you so much. You might be two steps ahead of me on the journey or five steps or whatever, but it doesn't mean you don't deal with your own um, stumbling blocks and rocks and monsters and, you know, and because you know how to deal with that, you know how to support me in dealing with that and, and support the yeah. people you work with in dealing with that. It's, you're, yeah. it's like you're the wounded healer. You're not on some mm-hmm. pedestal going, you know, uh, we'll do this and do that and teaching just in theory. You didn't go to school and get the education and just parrot the information. Right. Although you've got a fantastic education. You have been in school. You also are the living, breathing example yeah. of what you teach. Well, thank you. I, I hear you, and, and we're, we're members of that fellowship, and I, I can't <laughs> tell you how grateful I am that we are. Members of... Uh, this soul-centered tribe, I guess. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. So, Gavin, say, for instance, we have some people listening to this show and thinking to themselves, I need some more of that. (laughs) Mm. I want some more Gavin wisdom, and they want to work with you personally. How can they get in touch with you? Very easily. My website is sacredpassages.com, S-A-C-R-E-D, passages.com and it has the information about me and my work I'm in the middle of updating it but uh, that's a great way to go it has my contact information and uh, I'd be glad to talk to anyone who would like to reach out to me Mm. you are such a gift and something else I know to be true about working with you because I have things move very quickly I mean, I feel like I attained some, some tools that have supported me, gosh I don't know, that was like 10 years ago, can you believe it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The things yeah. I learned in that office, they still hear just resonating clearly in my mind as I, mm. as I walk through challenges. And mm. um, it's the gift that just keeps giving. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I don't work with, a, I work with just a select uh, number of, of, of clients, people who are you know, dedicated to a soul-centered life, and they have a very sincere intention to manifest their calling, discover their gifts, walk through the healing that will be a part of that process. And uh, so you've been one of them, and uh, it just thrills me. And one of the things I love is the, the name of the, you know, your work, The Journey to Center. Mm-hmm. That's, that, just, that just captures it, that indeed, if there were not a center, I don't think I would stay on this planet. That's the salvation of this level. There is a center, and there's a center inside of each of us. 
And it's available if we cultivate it. It really is. And I knowing it and being able to find that place it makes things make sense when things make no sense it does it does it's because trusting, then that's trusting. the ground you can begin to stand on like when i was younger i didn't know about the soul the presence of the soul was not something that was the center of my life but each succeeding year that presence in the center of my life does keep growing and flow out into the three areas i've talked about um the soul loves to be engaged well, how else does God fuller, play fuller except for through us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think God came here to have a good time, and he's doing it through you as Gavin Fry, and he's doing it through me as Tammy mm. Balashevsky, and he's doing it through each and every single one of us as these yeah. human beings having a spiritual experience. And I'm finally at the place that I am beyond honored to say yes to this adventure and meet with other people of like mind. So much fun. Mm. Thank you for well, having Gavin, me, Tammy. Right. Yes, thank you for being here. Thank you, Steve, for your stellar job as a producer. Thank you, Brent Carey, for this forum we call Empower. And to my listeners, thank you. If you want to get a hold of me, please go to my website, TammyBPhD.com. That's Tammy with an I, TammyBPhD.com. Would love to hear from you. God bless you. Take care of yourself onward and upward. Bye for now.